Hey everybody, welcome to the Scratching the Surface podcast. I'm your host, Austin Douglas, owner of Ditch the Itch, Poison Ivy, and Mosquito Control Services over here in Goodrich, Michigan, and the Poison Ivy Academy. And today, I wanted to talk about professionalism and expertise, and the difference between business professionalism and expertise versus your actual specialty, and what that actually means. And what kind of brought this topic on and why I wanted to talk about it is because I want to say a couple months ago, I was asked by the Michigan Green Industry Association to become an instructor for pesticide applicators in the state. And if you don't know who they are, maybe you're not in Michigan and you don't know, um, the Michigan Green Industry Association is basically the largest green industry association in our state. You know, they, they do classes for hardscapers, for landscapers, for pesticide applicators. They host the MGIA trade show and convention, which just happened, oh, right at the end of February, like the last day of February, first day of March. And they provide an immense amount of value for our industry here locally in Michigan. And I'm sure in your state, you probably have some sort of association that also does this. And I highly recommend that you become a member, right? Because they are they do provide an immense amount of value. Um, and they asked me to become an instructor for pesticide applicators, which I thought, you know, what an honor, what a cool thing to even be asked, let alone if I even do it, but just to be asked. And so that to me, you know, why was I asked or selected or picked out of the hundreds, if not thousands of members that are a part of the organization and the association. And it got me thinking, it's like, well, you know, is it my professionalism? Is it my expertise? Is it how I carry myself? You know, what is it? And it's probably all of the above, right? If you've ever met me, I'm generally well-dressed, well-kept as far as facial hair goes. I do have a beard, which, hey, it's okay if you have a beard, but I'm also striving for excellence in what I do. You know, I attend a lot of their classes just to learn. And I'm always staying after to talk to the instructors and ask them additional questions that they didn't cover. I'm hungry for knowledge. And I just thought it was really cool that they asked me to do that. You know, I was, uh, they asked me to become a moderator at their uh, trade show and convention. And when I was moderating, I counted the seats before everyone got there. And there was 210 seats. 200, no, I'm sorry, 216 seats in this hall. And so that means 216 pesticide applicators could be there getting their credits that they need for their license, which that's awesome. But then what a privilege to be able to be the person in the center teaching 210 people, right? That's huge. And it just got me thinking about, you know, professionalism and expertise. There's, it's one thing to be a professional in business. And understand your numbers and your net profit and your cost of goods sold and your customer acquisition costs and all of the expenses and ratios and numbers in your business. It's a, t- a totally different thing to, to be a professional and expertise in your specialty, right? You could run a super profitable lawn care landscape company. You know the business, but you might be hands off and you might not know the difference between trees and shrubs or trimmers or mowers or anything like that, right? You're a professional and expert in business, 
but you're away from the specialty. But you're paying guys that are a part of that specialty and they do know and they can provide that value. Or you could be on the opposite end. Maybe you're extremely smart and educated and always learning in your specialty, but you're weak on your business knowledge. Okay? I think the best way to be is a balance of the two. Or if it's not balanced, you go unbalanced for a little bit of time and learn a lot in one side or the other. So learn about your specialty or learn about business. And then if you're too out of balance, it'll tell you, you'll know. And then you switch it back, you become balanced again, and you might go unbalanced. And so I'll I'll give you an example of what I did. So last year, I was relatively unbalanced when it came to uh, business and studying business. I was more studying expertise in my specialty. And in this instance, I was studying my specialty of arboriculture because it really, it intrigues me. It interests me. I want to know more and I want to be a professional when I walk onto someone's property. I want to have more credentials, more qualifications. So that way they know when I step foot on their property, they're talking to a true professional in the specialty of what we're doing. And I went unbalanced. I went almost full spectrum into specialty study. Not to say that I know everything about business because I don't, but at that point in time, I said, nope, I'm going to go full into specialty and business will just hang out where it is. And then now I'm off of specialty and I'm transitioning back into my business and back into studying the metrics and what I need to know and marketing and how many dollars does it take to actually acquire a customer? How many dollars can I spend to acquire a customer and still make money? What's the number? What's the customer acquisition cost? How many dollars do you need to spend to acquire a customer? If you know that number, then you will free your mind when it comes to marketing. You know, if it takes you $100 to acquire a customer and you still profit, say say you pay $100 to acquire a customer, but for every customer you acquire $100 beyond the actual cost of 100. So you paid 100 to get the customer and then you got 200. How often would you feed that machine? If you knew that, if you knew that you put in a hundred dollars and 200 gets spit out, I think anybody out there listening would feed that machine all day long. And so that's where understanding your customer acquisition cost comes in. I learned a lot about this and studied this with, um, the growth vault podcast, which is a podcast by Joshua Latimer. And if you listen to my podcast, I'm going to you know reference Josh a lot which I've met him once. I met him at the first ever Launchpreneur Live Academy. It was a true honor to meet him. He kind of exploded my brain. I had never, I'd heard about him through Keith Kalfas, but I'd never heard him talk and his story and what he does. And he's, he's a genius. You know, he's just a man, but he's, he's a genius. And he opened up my mind to business metrics and things like that. And he asked, I asked him, I think back then, you know, Hey, how do I get to, you know, a million dollars? He's like, well, what's your service cost? And I told him, he said, well, are there blah, blah, blah amount of clients in the area that would want your service? And I said, yes. He's like, well, then there you go. It's just that easy. And it just, it exploded my mind. He made it sound so easy. Now we're not at a million dollar company. Okay. We're far from it, but we're going to get there. It just takes time. But going back to the customer acquisition cost, how deep would you go? How much money would you feed into that machine? If you knew that you fed 100 and it spat out 200, how many times would you do that? 
right? Because almost every time that you throw in a hundred dollar bill, you're doubling it and you're getting it, and you're doubling it and you're getting it. And when you, when you think of that in that way, that, like I said, it will free your mind to market, but you have to know the metrics. You have to have trackable metrics. You have to have trackable marketing campaigns to know where people are coming from and why, and how much money did it take to get these people here? How many people did you actually get? How many clicks did you get? But then how many people actually bought from you? Right? So professionalism and expertise in business and specialty is very different, right? Learning about proper pruning cuts on trees doesn't necessarily pay the bills. It does, but not necessarily. You're doing that because it's better for your client in the long run, but you're not doing that to figure out how profitable your business is. If you do a poor pruning cut and a good pruning cut, it's not going to affect your profit margin, but it will affect that tree on that client, on that client's property. And then in turn, it might affect a referral. So in a way it does, but it's a very inadvertent way, especially if people are uneducated. So my best advice would be if you're, if you're studying your specialty, do that until you realize that you need to study your business metrics a little bit more and then completely shut off your specialty study or minimize it. I don't want to say shut it off, but minimize it and then jump right into business and study as much as you can about business. And you'll have this teeter-totter effect and finding the balance of that. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if you can actually be balanced in that because it's going to be one or the other. What do you need to learn and when? And I'll give you an example. So in my life, um, I was searching for health insurance for myself, my family, and my employees. And we missed the open enrollment window, which <laughs> I wish I would have known about that. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't see the broadcast of, hey, it's open enrollment. You should watch this, right? You should do this. But I looked it up in my business and what that would take. And I had never looked up health insurance for myself or my employees ever. And we are in a position to where we kind of have to. And we're not a big company, but I had to do the research and I had to reach out to experts and I had to talk to people. I had to talk to people with larger businesses than mine and say, hey, what are you guys offering? Do you even offer health insurance? And I have a friend who has a, a pretty large company. He's got a, a probably 20 plus employees and he does not offer health insurance to his employees. And the reason why he doesn't is because in order for people to buy into the program, he'd have to cover so much of the expense. And it's, it's substantial. I mean, when I was talking to the health insurance experts in Gusto, they were telling me that the uh, minimum in a lot of states is 50%. And they actually told me that in Michigan it was 50%. And then I gave them some data to disagree, and then they actually agreed with me. Michigan's one of the few states where you don't have to pay 50%. Actually, there's no uh, mandatory minimum, so to say, that you have to pay. So you can pay 10%, you can pay 20%, 25%. You know, all the way up to 100% if you want to be super generous. And for me, I'm going to pay 65% of the premiums for my employees. And that sounds like a lot. And it is a lot when you look at it for a 12-month span. But how do you break it down, right? For those of you guys out there, I put out a poll, you know, maybe a week ago asking if you offer health insurance in your company. And it was a resounding 100% of the votes said no. 
which kind of shocked me. But I put out another poll previous to that asking, you know, what is your goal revenue wise for this year? And a lot of people answered, you know, $20,000 a month, which that would put us in the quarter million dollar range to call it a hundred thousand dollar range. And so at that point, it's probably pretty difficult to buy insurance, right? Well, if you do the numbers, okay, even if you had like the highest of high best insurance, the ones that I found, it was around $600 a month per person. If you paid 100%, 100% was $600 a month. Times that by 12, it's $7,200 an employee. Now, do you have employees and are they producing, you know, over 7,200? Are they producing $100,000 a year? What are you paying them? Right? So this is the whole being a professional and expert in business. I had to know my numbers and understand the profitability of my business to know what I could afford to do. And so I had to reverse engineer. What can I afford to pay? And so, like I said, at the the high end, it was like, it's going to come down to be like $7,000 an employee or $5,000 an employee per year. And when you backtrack that, how many poison ivy jobs is that, right? If our base price is $597 and it costs five grand per employee to offer them health insurance, okay, well, now we know that that's 10 jobs or 15 jobs after labor, after paying our commission. And so is that really a lot, you know? And my thought process behind this too is, is it better to learn how to provide insurance with one employee than with 10 or 20? Because if you can do it with one, then scaling up should be easier. And why I say that should be easier is because you learn how to do it with one, and then you replicate the system, right? If each technician is required, not required, but their goal, their metrics that they need to hit is around $100,000 a year, well, that's 7% or 5% of what they do goes directly to benefits. But even more so, when you dive even deeper into this, okay, if you can offer benefits, you can attract and acquire better talent, straight up, right? Do you want the, you know, the teenager who really doesn't care, he's off drinking with his friends, partying, drink driving, doing drugs, whatever, or even like younger 20-year-olds, do you want that? Or do you want somebody that's stable, that has a family, that has a house, that has a mortgage, that needs the job, and they want the benefits? And you know that they're going to show up every day because they need it. Well, if you have those benefits to offer, you will acquire that type of talent to where it's like, okay, hey, this is an awesome job. You have benefits. I'm going to be here every day. You just put me to work because my family needs these benefits. We need this paycheck. We got to pay a mortgage, blah, blah, blah. We're having a baby. You know, offering benefits, I think, is sorely needed in our industry. And like I said, we would acquire better talent if we did offer it, but it comes down to you, right? You have to look at your numbers and you have to assess if you can afford it. You know, like I said, here in Michigan, we don't have to pay, we don't have to pay 50% minimum, but even if you did, okay, the the best insurance possible that I saw was $610 a month. And if you had to pay 50% of that, that's $305 a month times 12. Well, what do you get? You get $3,600 a year for paying 50% of the best in health insurance that's out there. $3,600. I, 
I'm sure that you have technicians or laborers that are busting their ass for you that $3,600, I mean, you could afford that. When you break it down like that, you could afford that, right? But again, it comes down to looking it up. And like I said, if you do, more than likely, you'll acquire better talent. And so through happenstance or luck or misfortune, I don't know, however you want to word it, you know, I was in the position where I had to do this strictly because we're having a, a baby in August and we didn't have health insurance. And if you've ever had a child and you looked at those medical bills, they are expensive. You know, for our son, it was like $28,000 to have a child. And we were still responsible for 7,000 of it. So I know that's kind of personal and we're getting away from business, but it ties back to business, right? Because you want people that have families. If, if you're a family man and you understand that, it's like, no, like I want you. I hope you can have a family. I hope we, we pay you well enough to where you can purchase a house and have a family and buy campers and go do all the things that you want to do, right? You want to operate like you're a Ford or GM. You really do. You want it to be at that level where you're just like top of the top and people want to go work for you. They're just like, yes, please sign me up. Are you, are you hiring? Cause I really want to work for you. You want that to be the perception of your business, but it takes a lot. It takes charging premium prices to be able to do that. It takes knowing your marketing because if you can market, like I said earlier, if you can market and you put in a hundred dollars and it spits up 200, now it's a lot easier to spend that marketing money. And when you can spend that marketing money correctly and you start getting all these jobs and all these all this profit, now you can afford these benefits. I mean, it's, it's a pretty logical thing, right? But you have to charge premiums. You have to charge top dollar. And in mowing, that's probably going to be pretty hard. I'm not going to lie to you guys. You know, that's why I've chosen to be in a very niche, you know, very minimal competition service. Because, you know, we're, we're a niche service, we're a premium service, and we can almost charge what we want, right? There's a, there's a fine line, and I'll say it like that, because you don't want to be too crazy, right? I don't want to charge people $10,000 for a poison ivy job. People got to take out a second mortgage or a crazy loan from a bank. But you have to charge enough to cover all your costs, to make a profit, and to do what you need to do in order to acquire top talent. And I don't hear about this enough. I don't hear us talking about benefits and how can we do it. And we need to because we need to treat ourselves like we're real businesses that offer this. Like I said, if you if you want top talent to work for you, you have to learn how to do this. The big companies, the the Brylars and I mean the I what's the big ones? You know who I'm talking about. All the giant landscape companies, they've figured out a way to do this. The giant tree companies They've figured out a way to do this and they have to charge correctly. They have to get government contracts. They have to do what they have to do. They figured out how to do it. And so now it's up to us, if you're listening to this, to do the same thing, to take our businesses to the next level, to rise above being the non-expert, non-professional company and take that dive into what a professional company is. No doubt it's going to affect your profit margin when you start offering benefits, when you start offering 401k, dental, health, things like that. But is it worth it in the long run versus having to, you know, find new employees every year? You know, if you have employees that are going to stay with you year round, 
and it's because you're offering benefits, well, that's something that, okay, if I offered benefits, would you stay? If the person answers yes, and that was the only thing that changed, if they said, yeah, dude, I love working for you, I love what we do, but I need benefits because we have a baby on the way, right? If that was the determining factor for you losing your top guy or a top guy or multiple top guys, you'd probably figure out pretty damn quick how to offer benefits and say, nope, we're doing this. I can't afford to lose you. You do so much. I can't afford to lose you, right? If you're going from being out of the field running your business to back in the field because of that, I would highly recommend to look that up so you can offer that. I don't know if anyone out there is in that position, but like I said, it's not that difficult. If you do a $3,600 landscape job, okay, that one job has the ability to pay for benefits the entire year. Or if you're doing mowing and it's $40 a cut or whatever, how, times how many jobs you do a year, how many mows, how many cuts. I don't know how much that is. I don't know. Call it 1200 bucks. Okay, three clients, three clients go directly to one employee's health insurance. You got to think of it that way. So now how many employees do you have? Okay, well, we have five. Okay, well, now I need 15 clients that go just directly to that. And I need you guys to be cutting 40 lawns a day. Okay, so now it's 40 clients. You're still making money, right? But we need to start thinking in this way to elevate ourselves beyond just the guy with the trailer and a mower, just beyond the guy that installs and throws down mulch. Truly think about this to take your professionalism to the next level. You know, I'm having to out of sheer force, but it's a good thing. It's a blessing in disguise. And that's how I view it. Because if I can learn to do it with one employee, I can learn how to do it with 10, 12, 20, 30, 100 right? It's just, you're just scaling and you're learning how to do it at a very small stage. And the moment that I put out feelers out there saying, Hey, we offer insurance, we do this, we do that. All of a sudden I'm going to start getting a lot of applications for top talent. And I'm not ready for that yet, but we will be, I'm going to have to structure some things and get to that point, but we will be. And other than that, this podcast is Uh, Coming out the day after my live presentation, which I'm recording it before, so don't judge me, but I'm hoping that the live Poison Ivy presentation goes well. I hope that you were there. You know, I was going to, we gave away or we are going to give away because I'm not going to talk in past, present. I'm still in the future. No, I'm in the past. (laughs) What am I talking about? I'm in the past of that day. No, I'm in the future of that day. Yeah, that's how that goes. I'm ahead of schedule. We're going to be giving away some of my friend Brian Fullerton's 0 to 100K books. So I hope that you were there. I hope you had a chance to win them. Um, Should be exciting. But other than that, I hope that this provided some value for you. I hope that it opened up your mind to what you need to do in order to position yourself as a true top professional expert business. And, you know, you offering benefits or you understanding your customer acquisition cost, it's only going to make your company better. And finding the balance between studying your expertise versus studying your business, that's a hard one. Like I said, I don't know that you can truly be balanced with that, but it's okay to be unbalanced and then reverse course and balance it back out and then go the opposite direction. 
it's okay. You just need to do it according to when you need to do it. So other than that, if you out there would like to learn how to identify poison ivy, we have a free presentation available for you. You can find that down in the show notes. I believe the link is www.poisonivy-academy.com forward slash opt in, opt dash in. Again, that'll be down in the show notes. Um, it'll help you learn how to discern poison ivy between you know, what it looks like, how to identify it, and then also the top three um, look-alike plants that I have found in the field. And then other than that, if you would like to learn how to offer poison ivy remediation services in your lawn and landscape company, we also have a course for that. We have a, a higher ticket sales for that course that's a lifetime access, and then we also have a, a budget-friendly option. So if you don't have you know, $500, $600 to, to spend on a course, we did make a budget-friendly option. The only difference with that is when you stop paying monthly, uh, you lose access to the course. So it's really up to you to determine what. But you can find that also down in the description below. And it's been a pleasure to sit here and, and kind of think out loud with you guys. Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope that you're getting ready for the season. It's coming quick, man. It really is. So other than that, take care and God bless.